Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. called The Walking Wounded, which we've been on for a number of weeks now. And I don't know about you, but I've really enjoyed it. I trust and hope that you have too. And for those that are just joining us for the first time, uh, The Walking Wounded is this idea that God's marked out this race, right? Hebrews chapter 12, and uh, we're challenged to throw off everything that hinders, anything that gets in the way. And the Passion Translation says, let go of the wounds that pierce us. And so we've been talking about wounds that can significantly hamper our ability to run out the race that God's called us to, both in relationship with him, but also in, you know, the future and what God's called us to in the way of ministry, all that good stuff. So, so again, we've been addressing that and we've talked about a few things. And a couple of weeks ago, we got into a conversation with regard to uh, offense. And of course, part of the journey of dealing with offense has, you have to enter in the conversation about forgiveness. And I don't know anybody, I said this last week, I don't know anybody who's actually ready to deal with forgiveness. And all of us know that it's not easy. In fact, I uh, came across a quote from C.S. Lewis, and C.S. Lewis wrote this. He said, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. And he's absolutely right. I mean, it's crazy when you think about, you know, forgiveness and the journey and how we all know it's not going to be an easy one, and yet, as we shared last week, it's not an option. It's not an option for us that are followers of Jesus. It's something that God calls us to, and if God calls us to it, then it's for sure doable. God will equip us, and I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about how God can equip us or how God fuels us in the how. How do we forgive? How do we walk that journey, and, and, and how do we know? And I'm going to share with you the one thing, and I'm sure there's a billion others, but I have found one thing that has, has you know, uh, made clear to me, like this is, you've arrived, you've, you've landed on a, at a place of forgiveness, you've finished your journey of forgiveness with regard to someone or an offense, and so I want to share that with you uh, today, and uh, we're going to turn to Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to look at Colossians chapter 3, where Paul is, is encouraging the church, and he's like, listen guys, you're new in Christ. You have a new identity and your old life, man, you just got to, you got to, you got to just disregard that. You just got to take that off and you've got to take on the new self. Now, here's the thing about our new identity in Christ Jesus. The new identity in Christ Jesus is, uh, you know, uh, able to happen inside of our lives when we, we choose to allow and surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit on an inside way. Like, you know, the inner work of the Holy Spirit, he's, he's, he's addressing things and stuff that only he can do. And we're surrendering to his ability to work through some stuff. But along that journey, there's this point where we have to make choices, uh, acts of obedience, where God calls us to do it, whether, you know, it's something that uh, we're ready to do or willing to do or even want to do or whatever, you know, God still calls us to it. And that's, that's one of the challenges. But what I love about the challenges that God calls us to, he fuels us for it, right? Like, I mean, just think about it. When you go on any kind of a journey, whether it's a hike, a run, or you're in your car going somewhere, you need fuel, right? And, uh, you know, this is the time. If you want to buy gas, this is the time to buy gas, right? But, but if you want to go anywhere, you need fuel to keep you going throughout the journey. God provides fuel. And, and one of the things that's critical to the journey of forgiveness is the fuel that we use to keep us going. 
And Paul picks this up in Colossians chapter 3, and it's, it's not necessarily right off the page when you first read it, but we're going to go to verse 13, and I want to share with you some insight that God shared with me this week about the fuel that he gives us, or some of the fuel that he gives us, in order for us to run our race when it comes to forgiveness. And so we pick it up, verse 13 says this, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. And forgive as the Lord forgave you. Like basically what Paul was saying in this moment, he's like, hey, listen, no matter what you have experienced, whether it's an, uh, an offense that has happened to you or something that you find offensive, and we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, when you, when you study this passage, it's kind of referring to the things that really irritate you, right? The stuff that really just, just grinds you, it just rubs you the wrong way. And I'm not talking about the little things like, you know, that guy that, you know, every time he talks to you, he slaps you on the shoulder way too hard. Or, you know, that person that just, when they come around the corner, you know that they're going to talk on and on and on. And sometimes you probably feel like that with PC and his preaching. But anyways, um, you really can't do much. Well, you can now by video because you can just hit stop. But please don't because I want you to hear what God wants to say uh, to you or to, and to me today about forgiveness and the fuel that he provides. But we're not talking about those little things, you know. We're not talking about just, you know, rolling our eyes and just kind of working through it. He says, I want you to bear, meaning to endure. But what's significant about this word when you look at it is, is this idea to bear is, is to literally hold something or to carry something that is unpleasant and difficult. And, and again, you can catch that with the idea of bear, and you can, you can catch that with the idea of, you know, offense and whatever. It's stuff that we have to carry or press through. But what's interesting about this is that the word here to endure gives the idea that you're carrying it, but you're carrying it on someone else's behalf. Meaning there's a reason why, not just you, but there's another motivating reason. There's some fuel that will keep you going. And in our case, it's God. If there's anything right off the bat, and I'll talk about a couple others in a second, but right off the bat, if there's anything that God uses to fuel us or to motivate us, to keep us going, to endure the things that irritate us, the things that are, we find offensive, the things that have yet to be repented for by someone or someone's never asked us for forgiveness of and we're still holding on to that wound, God says, listen, I want you to bear, I want you to endure, I want you to carry that, but I want you to do it on my behalf. And I still want you to choose to forgive just like I forgave you. You know, I had a moment in my own walk with God years ago. I was uh, heading to an event with a bunch of other churches uh, to celebrate something that we had done collectively. And it was a Sunday night, and uh, earlier that afternoon, I was just marveling at some of the stuff that uh, our students were doing, and it just reminded me of my years when I was in youth ministry, of just the investment and the mentoring of students. And so it's something I really, really love to do, and I still love to see it happen inside the church. I think that's the best way to, to equip the kingdom in, in the next season, is to develop leaders. And so I love doing it, and of course, I just was marveling at it. So I get on Twitter. I know not everybody uses Twitter. I do, but, uh, and I, I love just, you know, reading stuff from people, quotes or whatever. So I decided to just throw something out in the way of 
you know, just a shout out to leaders to, to remind them of the power of mentoring and how important it is to invest and equip students and release them in their giftings and all this good stuff. Then all of a sudden I get this, this response and a notifi- notification comes up on my phone and I'm like, who's responding to this right away? I just, I literally just put this up. And it was a family member of one of my former students who, in our season together, um, just to put it in in just general terms, there was a moment where uh, that student didn't feel like I was really supporting them in their dream and their vision. And and looking back, I understand how they got that. And and, and we did, at this point of making this tweet, we had walked through that, we had talked it through, everything was fine, Uh, the tension or the misunderstanding was gone, We, we, we worked through it and it was all fine. But this family member obviously didn't get the memo. And publicly on Twitter, he goes off on me. Now, I didn't take kindly to this. And I'm sitting in my car, and I'm minutes away from walking into this event, celebrating what God had done that weekend. And I was not in any mood to leave the car. I was ready to throw down, man. Like, I'm ready. Like, you, you're going to do that to me, man? You're going to publicly embarrass me? I'm going to do the exact same thing back, right? Like, that's how I felt in that moment. And so I started, you know, typing different things and whatever. And, and I thought about things that I could say and And as I was doing it, all of a sudden, I felt like God saying, you're not doing that. And I'm like, God, yes, I am. He deserves it. He's being, you know, ignorant. He doesn't know what's happened between, you know, his brother and I and how we've worked things out. And and now he's like not mocking me, but but really like he's like, God, he's just done something super offensive to me. And God's like, you're not doing it. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, but God, all you got to do is just press the send button and it's out there. And God's like, you're not doing it. And, and I didn't know it then, but I can look back now and go, I'm living out Colossians chapter three. The new way of living is to choose to endure, to carry that which really right now is offensive and it's irritating me. And I just want to lash back. But God says, I want you to not do that. And I want you to endure it for my sake, on my behalf. And so finally, after minutes of arguing and fighting with God, knowing that God's not going to change his mind, I finally just got to a place where I deleted everything that I had written and I just wrote back one sentence. I'm going to choose to extend grace. Period. Send. And you know, Over the years, I have found that moments like that are absolutely critical to the journey of forgiveness. If you and I are ever going to get to a place where we can say we have truly forgiven somebody, we are going to need some fuel. And God's going to provide that fuel when you and I choose it. In this case, he just simply said, out of the covenant relationship between you and I, I'm asking you right now, to bear with him and forgive him on my behalf. And, and, and it's not that it made it easier, but boy, it motivated me and it made it possible in that moment. Now, there's a few others that I've experienced over the years, and I want to share a couple more today uh, before we, we close and move on in our series. Uh, I want to talk about something that, that Paul again picks up here in, in verse 13, because one of the other ways that God has used to fuel my choice to bear or to deal with or to press through, and, and can I just say this, a lot of times in the journey of forgiveness, we believe 
or we think that repentance or the ask, like I'm asking you to forgive me, is, is, is the point that we start the journey. I want you to know that that's not the heart of this passage of scripture. In fact, when it says forgive, and this is where we're going to go in a second, forgive as the Lord forgave you. The, the idea behind this phrase or the word forgive here is the sense of freely. Like no strings attached. It's, it's like there's nothing required in this moment. And I have found over the years that if you're waiting for somebody uh, to ask for forgiveness or to repent of what they've done you know, towards you, you probably will never get there. And to be honest with you, if you're waiting for that to trigger you to forgive, you've missed it. And I've missed it. That's not, when it says forgive, it says freely do it. No strings attached. You're going to choose this in this moment. And that was one of the other ways that God has used to fuel me or to, to fan that flame, to keep me going when I wanted to just disregard, let go, or even attack what has been done to me or what irritates me. You know, to go off on them, that type of thing. And here's another one. It's this very thought that Paul says again, and Paul's not alone. Paul and many, many others said the exact same thing. Forgive as Christ has forgiven you. Now, if you've been a part of community or you've been under my leadership uh, over the years, you've probably heard me say this many, many times. That I believe that it's hypocritical for a follower of Jesus to, to enjoy the grace of God right? Meaning he extends his favor and his blessing towards us undeserving. It's not because we deserve it. It's because we don't deserve it, but he chooses to do it anyways. It is hypocritical for us in our journey to enjoy that from God and not to give it to others. I feel the exact same way when it comes to forgiveness. I think it's absolutely hypocritical for us to not extend forgiveness when we've been forgiven. And one of the things that God has used by his Holy Spirit to fuel me, to keep going, to bear with my neighbor, to bear with that, that friend or that person that I'm in relationship with, the things that irritate me, the things that have been done towards me, is God has often had to remind me of the depth and the value and the importance of what I have so freely received, which is forgiveness. Now, I could, I could say to you, just think about Jesus on the cross and think about the pain and the suffering, and that would be enough. But I love what Micah says in Micah chapter 7, verse 18 and 19, because it's really cool. Because he actually describes what takes place when God forgives us. And it's beautiful. Listen to this. Verse 18 says this. Who is a God like you? Like instantly, Micah, just, he just, he, he, he's just like, God, I don't get it. There's no one like you. Like, it's, it, and whether it's no one's like you because they don't do what you do or they can't do what you do, but he's marveling in this moment of the ability of God to do this. Look at it. He goes, listen, who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? In fact, he goes on to say this. He goes, listen, here's, here's what, and, and I love this because this is where he gets really descriptive of what actually happens when we are forgiven by God. He says, you do not stay angry forever. Meaning, yes, God is, is offended by our sin. It, it grieves his heart, but he doesn't stay there. What I love about this Hebrew word is this idea that he doesn't stand there. He doesn't dwell there. He doesn't live there. In fact, if anything, he quickly shifts and moves. And the scripture says, Micah says, even with delight, meaning excitement, he moves towards extending mercy towards us. 
for our sins, our transgressions. Later on, he's going to use the word iniquities. Listen, he covers all the bases. Every single thing is covered. He, he just loves it. I love that word excitement. And again, I want to be very careful, but I just want to paint a powerful picture about the delight of God when it comes to wanting to shift from staying angry to extending mercy towards us and towards our sin and forgiving us and pardoning what we have done, removing the guilt and the shame, the joy, the excitement. And when you look at this, there, I, was, I was reading and I came across a, a cross-reference that the same word that's used uh, to, to say delight is, is used at the root for to bend or to wag like a tail. And again, please forgive me, but I just want to paint a picture. God is not like my dog, that's for sure. God is far greater than my dog. But I want to, I want to hone in on the excitement. When I, many of you guys know I've got a dog and when I come home, no matter what the day has been like, I know that my dog is going to react to me walking through the door every single day the same way. She's excited. Her, tag is, her tail is wagging. She's ready to play. She's just, I'm, I'm, oh man, he's home. He's home. Do you know when God forgives us, there is this excitement that just, I believe Micah says, it just bubbles up inside of him. And no matter what's going on, he can't wait till you and I walk through the door. He's got such a joy and just such an excitement to do that. Now, listen, I got to tell you something. Anytime I've had to walk through the journey of forgiveness, I can't tell you that I've walked through it with that great of delight. In fact, no delight at all, to be honest with you. But it does for God. And man, that contrast. And, and not only does he delight, uh, you know, and he's excited about it, it says that he hurls all of our iniquities as if into the sea. And for the readers of Micah, this would have reminded of moments like, you know, the, the, the people of Israel when they were going through the Red Sea to get to the other side and, and, and the, the, the Egyptian army is coming down on them and God parts the ocean and they begin to walk through. And as they get across to the other side, the entire Egyptian army is, is, that had followed them is, is in the middle of this ocean, walls around them, and all of a sudden God just collapses it and wipes out the army completely. What Micah was saying is that, God, you take my, my guilt, my shame, and you, you, you throw it away. And it's not like you don't remember that it happened, but you don't revisit it. It's buried. You can't see see it anymore it's as if it never existed that's what happens when you and I receive the forgiveness of God and and, and again the he, one of the Hebrew words that, that is used to describe forgiveness is is this word that that says you know uh, that he releases us from our past man we've been released we, what, what we've done has been wiped away and God chooses to not stay there and to dwell and say, well, hey, listen, this is what you did to me and relive it every day. No, he just, he just forgives and it's gone. It's over with. And you and I get to enjoy knowing confidently that we've been released from that free. How many times in my journey, my walk with God, has God had to use 
what he's done for me to fuel me to do the same for somebody else. Because I know what I enjoy in the way of freedom. Maybe that's what the person that's offended us is needing and looking for. And in the same way, if we forgave just like that and didn't dwell on it and, 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 and extended mercy and hurled it and buried it, man, what would it do for that person? And so sometimes God has to fuel us that way. Let me give you one more. And it's found in, in Micah again, chapter 7, verses 18 and 19. He talks about compassion. And this word here not only refers to having, a, you, know, a, you know, feeling for somebody, you know, empathetically or whatever, but, but it's a word that actually refers to, to, to actually enter. When it says that God has compassion, it says that he enters sympathetically into our sorrow and pain. You know, sometimes God has, and I'm going to tell you a story in a second of a moment that God did do this for me. But sometimes the fuel that God uses, you know, when he's asking us to bear with someone, you know, whether it's, you know, an offense that they've uh, created or, or just something that just doesn't sit right with us. And God calls us to bear or to carry that weight or that difficulty or that which is unpleasant, but we do it on his behalf. And it fuels us. Sometimes the greatest fuel is when you and I begin to see beyond the action and have compassion and actually enter into that place of sorrow and pain and realize that, listen, I've always said this about offense. Um, like anything in life, there's always a reason behind actions. And sometimes with regard to offense or something that irritates us, it has nothing to do with us or even directed towards us, but we take it that way. But there's always something that is there that's motivating it, that's fueling it on the other side. And it could be their own brokenness. It could be a situation that they're walking through that you and I are completely unaware of. Or maybe it's a sin that they're wrestling with personally. It could be any of those things. And sometimes walking into their sorrow and pain helps us to release them and fuel us to keep going to get them there. I mean, I think about Jesus. Jesus did that. Jesus, we know from Philippians, it says that he humbled himself and he stepped into our world, becoming, you know, he's fully God and he's fully man and, and he walked among us and he did ministry and he saw firsthand the best of humanity and there was a time in life where he saw the worst. And one of the worst moments of humanity for Jesus was when he was on the cross and they're mocking him and they're hurling insults at him and, and they've rejected him. And, they, and it looks like on paper, it looks like they're, 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 they're just, they just hate him. And then there just comes this moment where I think God just begins to see beyond all of that. Because listen to what he says. He was compelled to say to the Father, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And in an instant, God forgave simply because Jesus is like, listen, forgive them, God, because, because I know that this is not, they're not hating me, God. There's something behind it. He had compassion on them, and that compassion compelled him to take that step. I remember a moment just like this for me, and I'm going to close with this, this story. 
Um, and then I'm going to tell you the one trigger or the one thing that, that triggers the sign that you have um, gotten to a place of forgiveness. A few years ago, uh, we had a person in our life that, you know, to our face, man, just said, hey, you know what, Pastor Craig, you guys are doing great. The ministry is great and everything. But behind the scenes was the complete opposite. They were, you know, talking about us in a negative way, tearing down everything that we're doing privately with other people. And word was getting back. And I, I was frustrated because it didn't make any sense to me. I'm like, that's not what they're saying to my face, but this is going on behind the scenes. And so anyways, long story short, I confronted them a few times and and they denied it every time. And, and I had trusted people around me that were telling me, no, this is what's going on. And I'm like, ah. And every time they denied it, the more I began to get angry. And the offense grew and grew. And man, the wound just got worse and worse and worse. And, and to the point where I, I couldn't even be around them. I didn't want to be in the same room. I didn't want to talk to them. I was just, and I lost my temper with them a few times. Like I was just so frustrated with them. Even to the point where some of my closest friends that knew that we were wrestling with this person, there were times where, you know, they would, they would kind of, uh, you know, bring up that person's name or they would bring up a scenario just to get a rise out of me because they knew it would evoke this or invoke this, this, this emotion, this, this intensity. And, and I just, I didn't, I knew I needed to forgive, but I just couldn't do it. I didn't want to. I didn't think it was right or fair. And, and I was frustrated. Well, years later, after we had uh, not been around them for oh, quite a long time, I still, even not being around them, I felt like God saying, you need to forgive. And so God began to walk me through that journey of forgiveness. And as I was walking through that journey of forgiveness, one of the things that God used was compassion. And God began to, to bring me through by reliving and walking through, okay, why were they so upset with me? I started to evaluate. And then, when I, then I began to realize, we had a couple of their, their uh, students in our youth ministry, and, and they were great kids, but they really didn't have a real passion for God. They really had no intention of serving God at the time, or at least that's what it looked like. They were certainly struggling in their walk with God. And, and I also wonder, and I, and I began to think about that, and I thought, man, as a, as a parent, that's got to be disheartening. And, as a, and, and looking at me as a youth pastor, that's part of my role is to come in and be a part of that. And then I started thinking about all the other students that were the, you know, their kids' age and, and how some of them were the opposite. They were, man, passionately pursuing God and going after God. And all of a sudden, as I'm beginning to put myself into what now I'm realizing was some sorrow and some pain. And don't get me wrong, maybe I did do some things in the past that I'm not aware of, and I've checked my heart on that, and I continue to do so, because if I did something wrong, I want to own it. But part of the success, the fuel that kept me going towards forgiveness towards this person, was God reminding me that there was some sorrow and some pain that probably, you know, really hit them hard, and they were reacting through that. Like, I can imagine watching all of their friends and, and their friends' kids growing passionately in Jesus and, and the very thing that this parent would have wanted for their kids and it wasn't happening, questioning like, why? Why them, not my kid? And, and all that kind of stuff. And not that they weren't happy for the other families. It's just like, that's what they wanted. And I eventually got to the place where I was able to forgive that person freely. I've never received a, hey, I'm sorry, I've never received, I repent of anything I've done, ever. But here's how I know, and this is what I'm going to end with. Here's how I know 
that I got to a place of forgiveness. Now, I'm sure there are other professionals that will tell you the five things that, that will indicate that you've gotten to a place of forgiveness. I'm going to give you one, and it's this. Years later, Cora and I were at an event with our family, and we knew that this person was going to be there. And I wasn't looking forward to it, even though for months I had felt like I had resolved you know, my, my anger and my hurt. I was able to think about this person without getting upset or bothered and whatever else. And, and I knew that this event was going to test and was going to reveal to me whether or not I had truly forgiven. And so we went to the event. And of course, I do what everybody else did. I kind of avoided that person. I just didn't want to deal with it. And then finally, we're in this hallway and I'm walking one direction. They're coming down the other way. There's nobody else. And now it doesn't matter. You can't hide. There's nowhere you can go. And we're standing face to face. And I look at the person. I said, hey, you know, how are you doing? Good to see you. And, and they said the exact same thing, asked how the family was and, and all that kind of stuff. And we talked for just a couple of minutes. It wasn't very long. And then it was done and I walked away. And all of a sudden, I, it, something grabbed me and I went, wait a minute. I didn't get triggered. I, I didn't relive the emotion. I didn't relive the frustration. I, God, I, I think I got there. And that for me is the one thing after God fueling your ability to get through and to bear with one another and choosing to forgive and, and knowing that it's a process, the one thing for me that's the indicator is not being triggered. That I'm able to not dwell. I don't dwell anymore. I can think about what happened without it invoking any emotion, any anger, any bitterness. I can look at them. Now, it doesn't mean that we have this, you know, best friend relationship. That's a separate matter. That's something that, you know, can be rebuilt later on. That has nothing to do with forgiveness. And it doesn't condone what they, what I felt they did. But boy, it felt good to not be triggered. And I want to tell you right now, if there's one thing that will indicate that you have actually gotten to a place of true forgiveness, it's when you can think about them, be around them, talk about the situation, and not react in a negative, hurting way. Let's pray. Thanks for listening in to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media to stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.communitychurch.ca.